0: All right, let's pray. God, we have heard your word and we know that you
1: speak through it. We ask that you open our minds and our hearts, our ears and our eyes to receive what you have for us this day. That the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, amen.
0: How many of you love a good road trip? <laughs> not at all.
1: <laughs> so yeah, my my husband doesn't like to travel. I think if you could, you know, like beam him from one place to another like Star Trek, that would be fine, but the act of getting from one place to the other, he just does not appreciate. I on the other hand, Um, I think I got my driver's license like three weeks after I turned 16. Um, I was just so excited to be able to get out of the house and like go and explore things. Um, and now granted that was in the time when gas was not $4 a gallon. Um, and so like my friend and I, we just go drive around on Friday nights, like explore different roads and, you know, whatever. And, uh, that was always fun for me. Um, it occurred to me this morning that, uh, the, so I take an adult uh, tap class um, and our, our performances this evening and it's at seven o'clock at the State Theater if any of you would like to attend. Um, it's actually a pretty good show. Um, and our song that we're, uh, that we're dancing to is um, Mustang Ford by Chuck Berry. <laughs> that got a reaction. <laughs> and so like the theme is beginning and ends and so we're we're doing the first road trip that's our that's our uh, dance theme Um, and as I said I love a good road trip Um, has this church ever gone on any kind of like mission trip to Redbird Kentucky or DC or or anywhere no that was part of uh, my growing up In youth group, we would go uh, and do an Appalachian service project every other year, and then we'd do something else in between. And so, you know, we'd all show up, you know, at O dark 30, which is like 630 for me, really. Um, And, you know, pile into vans, get all the stuff loaded, and then we would head off to wherever it is that we were going. And um, that was always just so So fun for me to go and be able to help people, but also to be in community, um, doing something that I thought Jesus would be happy about. Um, Yeah. And so today in our scripture, we hear about, in some ways, two different roads or two different ways. Um, And so that's why I've called my sermon, The Road to Redemption. So how many of you have heard the... uh, cliche? I don't know what it is. Um, Turn a phrase, maybe. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yes. So we have that idea. Um, That is kind of a common saying that we have. And then we have what we hear in scripture this morning, which is that the road to redemption, it looks different, because it's filled with different people. And so in Isaiah, we hear about this this way of righteousness or way of holiness. And in Luke, we hear Mary singing essentially about who, who God cares about. And so in Isaiah, the people who are on this way, this road, this highway, are people who the Lord has rescued, the Lord has redeemed. That doesn't include everyone but it's also a choice that everyone could be included if they wanted to be. And this road, this highway that Isaiah talks about uh, is it's free from danger. And I don't know if you know anything about, uh, at least in Jesus' time, uh, the road between Jerusalem and Jericho, which was one of like their only real kind of highways that people would walk back and forth, it was incredibly dangerous. Um, it's where the man got jumped in the Good Samaritan parable. And so having, having a safe way to travel would have been incredibly valuable and, um, and given a, a decent sense of safety to people at that point. And so for Luke, the people who are, who are saved or rescued by God are the lowly and the hungry. Mary, um, she gets a little rage against the machine uh, in the second half of her, um, of her song, where she talks about how the, the rich are basically cast away and the lowly are raised up and those who have are turned away and those who are hungry are given food. And this. Um, Mary leans very prophetic in her song. Um, She has such a strong prophetic voice in this. And if you read the Old Testament and the New Testament, you'll see a, a pretty strong correlation between the ideas of what Mary is singing as a Jewish woman and a lot of the prophets. Because in both the Old and New Testament, basically any kind of prophetic voice is talking about God's concern for the poor and the marginalized, how the rich have gotten their reward and um, the poor and marginalized have not. And so this has got a question for you. You might not know the answer, but shout out you know, your ideas. Um, why might God send the rich away? Any thoughts? No? So, one of the things that we hear in many other of Jesus' parables is that basically rich people don't need rescued. They have enough resources to be able to provide what they need. And so, because of that, in a lot of ways, they have enough to provide for themselves to get them out of trouble. And so, if that's the case, they don't rely on God. Like they don't need to be rescued. Um, And that's one of the reasons that in, especially um, the Hebrew scriptures, there is this um, constant invitation of God for people to turn back to him and rely on him regardless of their economic status. And I think that's our invitation today as well, Um, because so any of you ever been to Africa or a a majority world nation? Anybody? You have? Where have you gone? Okay, awesome. Yeah, and when you were there, did you participate in any kind of Christian um, things? No. So most of the people that I know who have gone to seminary, um, if they're getting an MDiv, they have to do some kind of cross-cultural experience, and one of my friends, uh, he went to Cuba, and he was just amazed at kind of the joy that, that the people had, because they really didn't have a lot of material wealth, um, but they certainly knew Jesus, and I have heard people who have gone to Um, Different parts of Africa say the same thing. Uh, When I was in Thailand and Mongolia, it it was very similar where they didn't have a lot of financial resources, but their faith was way stronger um, and way deeper than mine was.
0: And, mm,
1: okay, so here's a little bit of background. Um, from two, 2012 to 2016, I was the In Mission Together Partnership Coordinator for um, Thailand and Mongolia. So that's part of why I went there. Uh, but it was through Global Ministries, the UM board. And we had all kinds of interesting conversations uh, with our boss. And uh, so I'll get to one of those conversations in a bit. Um, But as I talk with people, especially those who are in majority world countries, they feel oppression very differently because they are either being heavily taxed, they are literally being excluded um, or they're being used by the powerful, those in government um, and the police, whatever it might be. But then there's the question of, well, if that's the case or, you know, if God comes to the lowly and the poor and the marginalized, um, it kind of answers the question of why, why is Christianity spreading everywhere but Europe and, and the United States? It's because a lot of people are oppressed. A lot of people, um, like especially in China, oh my gosh, Christianity is spreading like wildfire and it's all underground um, because they are in some ways finding something that gives them hope. So they're living in this tension, right? Of oppression and hope, which is what we hear in in Mary's song. Uh, I was reading an an article about this uh, particular time and it said that two to 3% of people during like the first century would have been very, very wealthy the other 97% would have been subsistence farming or just scraping by. Um, part of that was because the Romans were taxing people to within an inch of their lives, literally. Um, and so as we, as we think about this road to redemption, um, many people, um, and I would think that if you think about why you accepted Christ, uh, Most people, it's because of some kind of realization of hope um, and good news. And a lot of people in other parts of the world are receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior because of this prophetic and redemptive message. They're being told that they are valued. They are being told that they are worthy and that they are loved because the people in power are telling them that they are worthless that they are a waste of space and that they are to be used and enslaved. And so in, in terms of good news, what other good news would there be, right? God raises up the, the lowly and casts the rich aside. Because um, the Lord, if we, if we know nothing else, if you take nothing else from the sermon today, um, take that the Lord cares about the widow, the orphan, the poor, the sick and the hungry. That's who God cares about. And uh, it's um, so as part of my my work uh, in Thailand, um, it was 2015, and I ended up going about five days before the mission team was coming over, and I was very generously hosted by um, Pastor Sila and his wife Wasana uh, in Bangkok, and. It was funny because they were like, "Well, what do you want to do?" And I was like, "No, I want to see what your life is like," because they both had jobs outside of kind of pastoral ministry. And so basically, I would just go sit in the back seat like their daughter, and they would take me wherever they went. And um, one of the gifts that God often uses through me, um, depending on the situation, is the gift of healing. And so as people do you know these two uh Thai people went from house to house and I went with them um and we prayed for people who were sick and so I didn't know it but so met my mission team at the airport we flew up to Chiang Mai did some stuff up there then flew back to Bangkok and one of the on the first day back in Bangkok with my team, Wasana came up to me and said, do you know, I need to tell you that all of the people that you prayed for were healed. I had to stop and make sure that her English was correct. I was like, I'm sorry, what? Can you say that again? And she said, the 10 people that you prayed for,
0: they were all healed. And I was like,
1: you're not kidding me, are you? So then I started going through the list. Like there was this one guy with a locked hip and he was like stuck on the floor. I was like, what about this guy? She was like, he walked into church on Sunday. I tell all of this for a reason, because in some of our conversations in in Mission Together, we we were having this theological conversation about why God heals, it seems more frequently in some of these uh, less financially stable countries than he does in the United States. And the thing that our boss kind of told us was, well, in the US people have healthcare and generally people have, have access to different treatments and things where in parts of Africa and Southeast Asia and all of these other places, they don't, they need God to heal them because otherwise they've got nothing. And that was a really interesting thing that I've thought about a lot since then, especially because we in the United States, even those who live below technically our United States poverty level, make more than like 50% of the world. There are people around the world that make a dollar a day $5 a day, $10 a day. There is no way that we could live on less than $4,000 a year. There's not. And yet
0: almost a billion people live in this world
1: with that. And part of our work as American Christians, I think is that we have to learn what it is to rely on God because we have so many resources at our disposal. We have so many options of how to fix problems. Like I know for me, generally, my first thought is not, oh, I need to ask God how to fix this problem or ask God to fix the problem. It's what can I do to fix this problem? Self-reliance versus trusting in God. Mary didn't have other options. A lot of the Israelites that were brought into exile didn't have any other options. They had to rely on God, and she did the only thing that she could do in this situation was trust the Lord and be with family. because at this point when she sings this song, she's with her cousin or relative Elizabeth, who happened to be um, carrying John the Baptizer in her womb at the time. And in her song, she expresses these words of the prophet. She reminds us and herself and Elizabeth, the theme of God's care. What does God care about? And it's God cares about taking care of the orphan and the widow and the poor and the hungry. And for those of us on the road to redemption, we don't necessarily have to give up our material possessions, but we certainly need to deepen our relationship with God in a way that we rely on him. And so that we can say that we've been rescued. Salvation is not a once and done thing. It's not a check the box. It's an everyday thing. Um, One of my mentors would ask me on a regular basis, how are you working out your salvation? Because it's an everyday thing. We have a choice to rely on God every day because it's the ones who are rescued By God. It's the ones who have been redeemed, as we heard in the Isaiah passage. Those are the ones who will be saved. And so, as we continue to, I'll say, celebrate the coming of Jesus, both as a baby, um, but also as a second coming, um, we have some thinking to do. We have some, uh, potentially, we have some opportunity for. Or reflection in this time that is very much about in material excess I guess in some ways um and so in the bulletin I've put a reflection question for you which is where in my life is God inviting me to put more of my trust in him it's a question that you can ask yourself every day for the rest of your life probably um, but in terms of our relationship with god and our redemption trust is trust is the road and we get to participate because we're invited with every moment of
0: every breath